On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Kenny Wheeler. Kenny is the writer and editor-in-chief of The Libero, a website with various articles about unique football scenarios around the world. My name's Darren, I'm your host, and let's get to it. So welcome back to the podcast. I'm joined by Kenny Wheeler from The Libero. Kenny, how's your day going? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. But how's yours? Very, very good. I'm delighted to, to have you on here. We've been chatting for a little while about trying to find a time to get on. There's a very interesting article you posted on your website, your blog, and I really want to discuss it with you. So, Kenny, for my listeners, where can they find you on the internet and on Twitter? So you can find us at www.thelibero.co.uk. You can also find us, uh, our Twitter handles, at the Libero online. Perfect. And I encourage anyone to check those out. There's a lot of brilliant articles on there, a lot of unique articles of maybe different things in football that you maybe will not have heard of or maybe not have found or maybe even came across before. And one of the things that I came across was something I'd heard about in passing but never really looked into. And as soon as I clicked the website and read this article, I said, I need to get a chat with Kenny on the podcast about this topic. So, Kenny, I've brought you on today to talk about football's greatest con man, Carlos Kaiser. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Darren. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed the article. Um, this is an article I, I read about years ago in a, in a magazine over in the UK called 442. I'm sure you're, sure you're aware of it. Um, and basically, it was all about this, this guy, um, Carlos Enrique Raposo, who played professional football for over 20 years but was never actually any good at football um, and the article yeah just details sort of his his to and fro in between clubs and honestly mate some of the stories you, you hear about him are, are unbelievable um, yeah going from pillar to post really from, from team to team across uh, South South America and uh, allegedly in France as well yeah it, it, I looked up a bit and, uh, and obviously doing a little bit of research into him and in the story and all that and it's really like an 11, maybe 12-year career in and around that where of several different clubs with no appearances whatsoever. It really is incredible how this man was able to forge a career in football as a footballer without actually playing football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is obviously post... This is obviously pre-YouTube, sort of um, pre-internet state days and, you know... Uh, there's he he was actually a, a decent youth footballer. He you know he had trials at Botafogo and, and Flamengo, yeah. um, two of Brazil's biggest clubs, um, and then off the back of that managed to to get uh, his first professional contract at a Mexican Mexican side Cruzeiro, um, but he was as most of his career would be released after a few months. Um, and when he was at when he was down in Mexico at Cruzeiro, he um, he discovered that you know the high life uh, and the the want for the finer things, so to say, um, and all the trappings that came with being a professional athlete. Um, he was released in Mexico, then went somehow managed to get back to Botafogo in, in 1981, and managed to sort of wangle himself <laughs> a, a three-month trial. Somehow, I, I don't know how. The, well, the, I'll explain sort of his his how how he was and how he acts and. It's not difficult to understand how this guy would get these opportunities because apparently he spoke very, very well. 
he was uh, very confident um, and he would mimic players um, particularly when he signed for as I said Botafogo this is the first club he, he really made it in Brazil I say made it in very inverted commas in <laughs> Brazil um, so he would he was training with World Cup winners um, you know teams uh, players who won the Copa Libertadores uh, down in South America the, the Champions League and the equivalent um, in South America and he was quite an athletic guy so he was um, you know fairly fit um, looked after himself but as I said couldn't play football uh, it's not certainly to a professional level anyway um, so he signed for Botafogo on a three month trial the, the gaffer said look we've got a friendly coming up we want you to play so he panicked massively and said to the club that he needed he needed sort of three weeks to to prepare for the game to get himself match fit for the professional game. Uh, this is when he came up with the idea of of, a, of the muscular injury that would quote unquote sort of ruin his career at <laughs> yeah. um, every club he played for. So he he demanded the ball in the training session and the ball would be pinged into him and he'd go down holding his holding his hamstring. Um, and then he'd say that he's torn his hamstring, which at the time couldn't be proved by medical technology. So it's sort of like whiplash. You can't actually prove you've got it. Um, so he he would go down with that. And this was a recurring theme throughout his career, that he would just go down with this, this muscular injury. Um, whilst at, at Botafogo, he would have his uh, intense recuperation in the nightclubs of Rio, uh, Rio de Janeiro. So he would be mingling with, you know, the the great and the good of Rio, and sometimes the bad, which he did later on in his in his career, um, and began to mimic them. He he was he mimicked uh, Bebeto, who won the World Cup. He would walk like him, he would talk like him, and it just gave him confidence to go out and, you know, get what he wanted, so to speak. It's interesting that you say that because Bebeto was actually on record saying. You know, his chat was so good, if you let him speak, he would just charm you. <laughs> and there there must have been something mentally about this guy in terms of creating a plan and following through with it and little nuances of, oh, at this point, I need to get this injury so I don't play. But as you said, it was all geared towards that sort of living that high life. And he became quite a sort of celebrity nightclubber, maybe, <laughs> in Rio de Janeiro for a while. Yeah, a bit of a socialite, really. He was seen with all the players, all the movie stars, um, and he would make contacts through that. And then through him, mean, he was very famous for saying, I say very famous, he's very famous in football circles for saying, life is marketing. That was his motto. Um, <laughs> that he, he was a walking billboard for himself. Um, and again, as I said, this was pre-YouTube. This was pre-internet. So he used to send a video of himself scoring goals to clubs to get that next move um, unfortunately it wasn't him in the video scoring the goals it was another guy who looked similar to him called Henrique as well um, <laughs> but they fell for it they fell for the ruse time and time again um, and he would just he would just move he would move from club to club but there's you know there's there's some stories about him that that would, would beg belief if someone told you you think, you think they're, they're taking the mick um, so there is one story I'm not entirely sure how true it is because uh, the club involved have denied that he ever played for them but if you hear the story you could see why they would deny it because they 
they were caught out. So he signed for um, a French second division side called Ajaccio. Um, I think they're actually one of the, one of the islands around France, and he was unveiled to a great fanfare. Um, it wasn't obviously back in those days. It, uh, having a foreign player was was a, a new thing. Yeah. Um, it's not like it is today, where football is obviously a very multicultural, uh, worldwide game. So he was um, brought out for a public training session. Um, he done a bit of jogging around, and then they were like, "Okay, now you've got to go and do kickups in front of the camera, very much like Barcelona do at the yeah. new camp." Um, <laughs> and he panicked, and he kicked every single ball they had into the crowd, um, so they couldn't train, they couldn't do any work with the, with the football, and they just done a, a an athletic session for an hour. I mean, how looking looking back on it, you, it's, it's amazing that he he could get away with this. But as you said, it's the confidence he had. Um, he was a he was a con man. He was a trickster. He would work on people's emotions, um, and he would also bribe people quite a lot. Um, so he would he would bribe fans to start cheering his name whenever the club owners were around. Um, he would bribe um, journalists to write positive stories about him in the media, and this was sort of never more. Accurate than when he when he moved to a club called Bangu Atletico Club, um, who were owned by um, a bookmaker, an illegal bookmaker called Casta de Andrade. Yeah. Um, not the nicest man, <laughs> allegedly in, in Brazil. He would um, he'd walk onto the pitch with a gun and threaten referees. Um, and the media, again, this guy's never played a, a full game for anyone. Uh, the media had the headline: Bangu has its king, um, which is not a bad headline to have. Um, about yourself um, yeah then it all sort of went a bit downhill from there for him really yeah. um, he had that famous story there um, wasn't it that they, they had the he had the warm up or something they were wanting to bring him on and he had some sort of ideas like oh no what am I going to do so he started a he started a fight with someone in the crowd or something along yeah. those lines yeah so he was um, unsurprisingly on the Friday night he was in a nightclub just before the game on the Saturday um, and word got around that this Casta de Andrade wanted him to play or be on the bench for the for the game on uh, the next day. So he immediately started panicking about that. So he he thinks, well, okay, I'm not going to be brought on. No, we're going to be fine. They go two 0 down very early on, um, and the call comes from the director's box saying, right, get our star man on. This geezer's come in. The king of Bangu's come in. Get him on the pitch. <laughs> so now he's really starting to panic, and he. Been told to go and warm up, and he's obviously sat, he's he's jogging down the touchline, and he's thinking, right, I've got two options here. I've got option A, which is go on and be found out that I'm rubbish at football, or B, refuse to go on and be found out that I'm rubbish at football, um, and and potentially hurt by the owner of the football club. So, Raposo being Raposo has an ingenious idea of an option C, and basically, he jumped into the crowd and initiated a riot. Um, he he claimed he heard someone call him a long-haired faggot is how the story goes so he jumps into the crowd starts a punch up he gets sent off um great three match ban as well um and then obviously the the owner's furious with him um deandrande's absolutely furious and calls him into his office the next day um and bearing in mind the two got on really really well um andrande liked Raposo's attitude like a sort of cavalier uh, cheeky attitude almost and he 
call him into his office absolutely fuming that he'd been sent off before he'd even got on the pitch and cost him the game. <laughs> um, that He said, like, why did you do it? And he said, boss, they were saying bad things about you. They were calling you a faggot and all this. So I jumped in to defend your honour. And he was like, oh, unbelievable. So he gave him a pay rise and, like, another six months on his contract. <laughs> it's incredible, really, isn't it? You know, when someone devises such a plan but it also plays into the ego you know of the chairman there he's like oh if i say this i might get off the hook and luckily he did um for him anyway you know he, he what 12 year 11 year career you know without actually playing football it really is incredible you know in the, in the 70s in brazil and in mexico and allegedly france as well but after his career ended it's really lived on through stories you know you, there's documentaries about it there's movies about it there's lots of articles about it it's almost seen as how to describe it like maybe a, a legend in a sense but a legend in the wrong sense i don't know how to how best to describe that but there's a lot of people who know about this guy and who are like what a guy <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. it's a really yeah. interesting really really fascinating story about how someone can do this you know and make a career out of this yeah i mean he's um he's a, he's a cult hero really for a lot of people particularly those in brazil who grow up wanting to be footballers but never being i mean let's be honest 99.999 percent of us are never going to be good enough to play for a professional football team and yeah. it was he but he was just so ballsy about it and it is a legend and maybe not for the clubs who are paying in wages but <laughs> No, a bit, a bit of a rascal, and as you said, there, there's been documentaries. The, the name lives on, um, and I highly recommend it. The 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 um, documentary is called Kaiser, the greatest footballer never to play football. Um, I would highly recommend it um, because although you know I wrote the article, there's there's so much more to this story than than this, and you know it all went. You know he had he had a good eleven, ten, eleven years at the top um, of, of the game really without playing, and it all sort of went a bit wrong. After the whole Bangu incident, um, he had a toy phone and he was pretending to speak English into it to try and to suggest that he was moving to another club until he didn't realise the club doctor could actually speak English <laughs> and, and found him out. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I think I was at Fluminense, actually, who, again, are a huge, huge yeah. club in, in Brazil. Um, yeah, how he got away for so long. And then, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a great saying that... Um, one of his teammates used and they said he wasn't a 171 he was a 342 so 171 is the penal code in brazil that's used to arrest and to deal with con men so he wasn't just your 171 he was double that he was like a double con he was a double con man because he, he was just so good at it brilliant at what he'd done <laughs> um and yeah then i think i, I can't remember exactly what happened to him but i think he's uh, something to do with a, I think it was a gym or something. Now I can't remember exactly what he'd done, but he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's had a book, he's had a document, the documentary about it, and it's just, it's a story that with the technological advances that we have now, and the medical advances, it will never happen again. Highly unlikely it will ever happen again, and it's, it's sad really, but, you know, fair play to the guy. Yeah, and it's one of those things too that even when he, I would say his career, you know, quotation marks came to an end, that he's able to still probably make money and live off that based on books and appearances and movies and all that sort of stuff you know he's almost not only just had a 10-year football career but he's all he's pretty much set for life as a result of these 10 years of 
you know, trickery. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's um, he's probably earning more money now than he ever did playing football. Um, and you know, fair play to him. He he grew up in a very poor part of Brazil. He grew up in the favelas. Um, yeah. He he wanted to make money, and he made he made a lot of money out of out of, out of being a con man. Um, yeah, a bit of a begrudging respect to him, to be honest. <laughs> he lived the he lived the dream we all want, didn't he? You know, he lived the he got to be the professional footballer without having to put in any of the work. <laughs> it's you know, perfection. He's, quite, he's, kind of, he's kind of like the third choice goalkeeper, isn't he? Really? Yeah. Just to turn up training every day and get paid for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Kenny, it's been my absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, and I'm sure it won't be the last time. Oh no! Thanks ever so much for uh, for getting me on, Darren. It's much appreciated for you uh, getting in contact. I'm glad you know you, you found all the articles and that. Thank you for listening to the podcast with me, your host, Darren. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the podcast. Thanks for your time. Stay safe and tune in next time.